0: Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisela. So how are you
1: today, honey? Good. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. I know that you have been really busy and I'll uh, let you talk about that uh, in just a moment. But welcome to the Business is Unusual podcast, a place to learn about the ways in which people are working to create the new normal. And this is Alicia Fall, uh, founder and vision holder of the Harmony Voices Foundation, although that simply is the tip of the iceberg. So... uh, (laughs) Without further ado, I'd love to have Alicia share a little bit about uh, her many voices and the projects that uh, you're working on and then we'll go from there.
0: Well first of all, thank you for inviting me on to your show today. I know we've been talking about this for a very long time and mm-hmm. I for you for those of you who don't know, I've had the privilege of working with AISA for what almost three years now.
1: Yeah, no, it's been yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. So Her Many Voices, uh, we focus on women, children, and Mother Earth, and we provide uh, practical resources and education for for those groups. Um, So we've been doing that for quite some time now, and I'm sorry, I'm being distracted at this moment. There's a photographer who's standing in front of me who's causing me to just all of a sudden forget about what it is I'm saying. Oh no, Um, are are you getting
1: pictures taken (laughs) while you're on video? That feels a little unfair.
0: Uh, so here's the deal. So part of what's been going on lately is that her many Voices has been um, participating in a lot of the hemp expos and that kind of thing. And so the NOCO, the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo, just happened this week. We had a three-day event. And um, one of the folks who, who has joined joined to speak and present and who's staying with me is German photojournalist Maren Krenz. And well, um going
1: to be on the show in a couple of weeks.
0: And Mara is <laughs> going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Yes, she released her, her new book, H is for Hemp.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, I'm one of many, uh, many folks who interviewed for that book. Um, so as we just started, there, Mara came around the corner with her camera. So I got a little distracted, guys. Yeah, she's holding her That's head great.
1: down now. Love it. <laughs>
0: See, the beauty, yes, go (laughs) Marek, yes. So the beauty of the work that I've been doing for 13 plus years now, just with her many voices is that I get to spend time. We started as artists responding to humanitarian need and we've grown to include activists as well as global community members over the years. And so I get the privilege of spending so much time around artists all over the world. And um, which I absolutely love. You know, I love meeting people from all over this planet. And then we come together, we find those common grounds, right? Mm-hmm. So we come together around those. Um, the core value for her many voices is whatever I do for another, I do for myself. And so the flip side of that is whatever I do to another, I also do to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so based on that philosophy, you know, we spend time with others on this planet and we find that mutual, that common ground, and we come together and we do good things in this world.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's it's so, I, I don't know, I can say more now than ever before, but I don't know that that's true. Mm-hmm. It feels that way right now that we need to come together more more yeah. than ever before.
1: I No, I, I agree with that. And like I said, like, I realized for me, part of what inspired this uh, focus is that feeling of, I do think we're in a time of transition. I don't, it's hard to know how much because you really can't, we don't know what history is, right? This is just life. And then later Mm -hmm. on, we look back and we make up history about it. Like we decide to create a narrative, but that's Mm -hmm. actually not real. However, there are times when things change and it does feel like there are some places where our like basic assumptions are being disrupted. And so my way of thinking is that, okay, if that's what's happening, then let's work on, on, on replacing some of these things that are harmful with new innovations, hopefully better. However, at least we could try to go somewhere that is more integrated, more uh, like working with everybody, maybe, I don't know, paying attention to the resources we have and consume and where they come mm-hmm. from and whether or not they're harmfully acquired. <laughs> so yeah. I just feel like there's as much as there is a scary, scary time that we're facing in, I think, some very legitimate ways, there's also some opportunities for innovation and to allow us to step into new roles. And so that's what I'm excited about. And it's one of the things I just admire about you uh, you know, as Alicia said, we've worked together for a long time, and uh, Alicia is one of those people who does, like, you know, there's people in the world who talk, and don't get me wrong, she can talk, she's an amazing speaker.
0: <laughs> I can run my mouth. I can definitely <laughs> I run my way, mouth. But,
1: you know, <laughs> you know, like, but, but in addition to that, like, like, and you surround yourself not just with artists, who, but you surround yourself with people who create, and that's one of the reasons that I super enjoy Being involved with the work that you do, because I know that every everything that is theorized will get a chance to be expressed. And maybe you'll you'll be like, ah, no, it's not you know, it's not a good fit, or we're forcing something. And um, but that that movement towards um creation, not you know, and and the whole scope of it to me, that feels like the the way that we're going to move into and create a world Mm -hmm. that works for all of us. Absolutely. you know, that really invites everybody to be part of the experience and the conversation. And so I just, I honor, I feel so honored to be able to work with you and I honor what you've you've done and and how you build coalitions and and what you work to create because that's, I feel like that's the only way we're gonna make the difference that we really wanna make in the world. Um, I have, so uh, you are a musician. So I'll ask you this. I have some. I have these. I have these little icebreaker questions, right? Okay. This, this <laughs> so, what's the last musician you got lost in?
0: Oh, you know what? I I play over and over again. Melody Gardot. So I can say her. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's just something sultry and passionate and just. She's a smoky artist and it really mm. does speak to the very core of me. It doesn't matter what she's singing about. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. I like that, that old kind of noir feel to it. Or... Exactly.
0: Exactly. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you. I'll we'll mm. have to, one of the things I do when I ask the silly questions is I'll put links in the show notes so people can go check them out if they want to. And I always listen to them. It's fun.
0: I, you know what? I have her all over the place and she is definitely my Pandora uh, link. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you put her in there, if you put Melody Gardot in there, you're going to get some amazing music, um, right. English and French. So
1: Ooh, I will definitely yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, so what hobby of yours do you think would surprise most folks, many folks that, you know, I don't know if most, but or anyone?
0: What hobby? What kind of hobbies do I have? I haven't been active on things lately. Um I can talk about past hobbies that I really have thoroughly enjoyed and submerged myself in, um, riding horses. Okay. So nice. I love the equine world. Um, yeah. It so that was, you go. yeah. 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 <laughs> As a matter of fact, so I went to an agricultural high school and an ag university. And when I was in high school, um, I volunteered. I got up at the wee hours of 4am to be at a riding stable in New York city. Um, by f- by five and work until I had to take off at seven to get to school, um, and I did that for quite some time. Um, yeah, so that's that was definitely a passion of mine too. Wow.
1: Yeah. so you I I never asked you this, and I, I'm, so I'm curious because we do a lot of agricultural work through mm-hmm. through Harmony Voices as part of our climate change mitigation and the sovereignty the Sovereign Garden Project. It was that and obviously the one of the things that we talk about a lot is the in service of Mother Earth is uh, as a, as a respect for the earth as more than just an environment. It's also an environment, but the respect mm-hmm. for that sense of being. Do you feel did you were you drawn to an high school? Was it something that just happened or was that a choice you made? Did you always know this was something in you
0: that that you wanted to have skills to, to work with? Um. You know, growing up in the city, uh, obviously, you're kind of removed from the nature, nature right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I did have a love for animals when I was growing up. We, we weren't allowed to have any, but I had a love for animals. And, mm-hmm. um, and I always loved, we would, just about every year, we would go up to Canada um, and spend time with friends, and I would go to this, uh, this camp for the week. And um, I was very isolated because it was a French-speaking only camp. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time on my own. And I would be in nature during the, those summer trips. Um, mm-hmm. And there was that connection, that thread of just how connected we are and how connected I felt when I was out in nature. Um, yeah. And that's that was the first imprint, I, I think, for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so I ended up uh, going, like I said, to an ag high school, um, which was a wonderful foundation. And I became I was placed in charge of what we called the land lab, which was uh, I believe it was four acre. Yeah. A little four acre farm. And we had small animals. We had chickens. We had rabbits. We had you know a mixed bag um, that I was responsible for. And that kind of led the way. I actually thought I was going to become an equine vet. And um, so I went in that direction of, okay, I'm in an ag school now, and I'm going to start studying the sciences for it. And then shortly after that, within about a year or so, um, I changed my mind. Uh, I started working with little people, like three to five-year-olds, and I changed my mind, and I ended up going into education instead. But that love for um, love for the planet and and you know, doing your own gardens and farming—that kind of thing—that really does speak to me. And today, um, a big focus of where we're at with our many voices is in getting a nice piece of land so we can go back to the earth and create a little sustainable community through a what I consider a hemp longhouse community
1: and mm-hmm. cultural
0: center. Uh, long-
1: yeah, I was going to ask, but I, was, go, okay. yeah, I just want to make sure yeah. people know what a longhouse is because yeah. that's it, such a, an amazing project and very interesting uh, cultural uh, information about, or, or information forming what you're doing.
0: Yeah. So, so um, longhouses are from different tribes and, and different nations have different versions of something that is very similar to them. Um, but for the eastern band Salagi, the Cherokee, which is my mother's side, Um, long houses were created, multiple families would come and live and they would take care of each other and community within it. And it was definitely a mix of um, not only the the personal residence, but a cultural center and a place to come to and work things through. Um, So I'm looking at this as a return. And I feel like globally, we do need to return to these smaller communities and really take care of each other. Grow our own foods, take care of each other's children because they are your child, kind of thing. Um, so these are the things that I feel we need to implement. And and today, a lot of people are doing that. I mean, we'll refer to these as either agrohoods or intentional communities. Um, you know, my my take is that we're all tribal people. I don't care where we come from. You know, um, and so if we go back to our ancestry knowledge and how we used to work together. Yeah. That is what's key to saving us today because we are truly in a hot mess across the board.
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I, I, I think it sounds like such a, a great uh, opportunity for uh, both the, the community piece and then also one of the things that you've really worked on is reintroducing hemp as a, a plant that was very traditional and uh, what, is, what did you tell me that our, our money was originally printed on hemp paper, and then it went through this whole uh, political, I don't know, targeting practice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we now we get to have a, a full eco experience. Um, do you want to talk about that at all, and how you know, when you say a hemp longhouse, I know what you mean, but maybe you could describe a little bit what what that what that entails.
0: Um, well, first of all, it would not be a, a traditional longhouse because it would not hemp is not a traditional way to build. You know, okay. it's more of a concept than than um, than a traditional practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so hemp was a product, a plant that was used for thousands of years on this planet, right. and um, a great deal by indigenous peoples, but just across the planet. And um, and yes. Our money was made printed on hemp paper. Um, farmers had to, at one point, grow a certain percentage of hemp. They, uh, you you were allowed to pay your taxes to a degree with hemp. Um, Betsy Ross's flag, American flag, was done on hemp. With hemp, um, the Constitution, many <laughs> spiritual, uh, excuse me, religious um, books on hemp. Um, the pyramids, and then it was- the, China, the, the, the the Great Wall of China, there's so many areas where hemp was used. And then in 1937, there was a gentleman who was in charge of the Drug Enforcement Agency, Harry Engslinger, and there was a propaganda around the cannabis plant just in general. And um, so the umbrella of the cannabis is not only marijuana, but it's also hemp. Their cousin plants. The difference being that hemp is is not the psychotrophic that that marijuana has. Right, mm-hmm. um, low THC in it creates that. Um, but at any rate, Harry decided uh, to do this little propaganda, and it was racially motivated and people-controlled motivated and started making statements on how, when our white women smoke this, they run off with black men and they listen to jazz and that creates a problem. When black men smoke it, um, they think they're as good as white men. Um, When derelict Mexicans, quote unquote, derelict Mexicans. I mean, he just went down a a hateful list um, and it was to control, um, you know, I mean, this country is, the foundation of this country is genocide. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, at first I'm like, how could you possibly make a plant illegal? How could you possibly destroy a plant? We are our foundation of genocide. So why should I be so surprised that, you know, if we can do this to another of our own species, why, why am I surprised that we are doing this to another species? Right. And so hemp was pretty much eradicated. It was made illegal in 1937. Um, it was under the, uh, the cannabis, the Schedule One drug, you know, the Marijuana Act and the Schedule One drug. And, you know, there were all of these lies that were intertwined with it. And, you know, uh, people drank the Kool-Aid and ran with it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and it did a disservice. And it threw out our biodiversity. And I truly believe a lot of the issues we have today is because mm-hmm. we have done so much damage. We have eradicated species out there that are necessary for the balance of this planet. Yeah, and hemp is certainly one of them. Um, and I am grateful that it's coming back into the fold. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you would think we would learn, and we haven't. In, in allow it to be instead of putting all of these uh, stipulations on how it gets to qualify as its own self, you Mm. know? Uh, Laws are really manipulated to just control and to, um, you know, it's all about corporate and government and making money and controlling people. It has nothing to do with the value of plant medicine. Um, Every time we mess with mother nature, every time it bites us in the butt, it really does. Um, And yet we don't seem to learn that lesson
1: No, we, we really don't, (laughs) it's not, Mm. um, well, and it's, what I find frustrating, especially if you step back at all, right, like, like, that's what history is such a great teacher, it's easy to get confused in the, in the, in the modern moment, right, like, someone Mm -hmm. tells me, oh, this thing is for safety, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe it is, uh, but, but you look back, 30, 50, 60 years, you're like, oh, wow, obviously that wasn't really a safety thing. That was obviously political. And mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't love using the word political because I think it's been diluted. Politics on their own aren't necessarily bad. It's a way that we understand and manage power. It's, True. you know, the misinformation, it's the um, unchecked power that people have, you know, mm-hmm. in the same way that capitalism on its own in a free market system has benefits towards innovation, but extractive capitalism that has managed to benefit the wealthy, which is also more wealthy socialism, but we don't have to get into that. Not great. So it's like to find that balance. But yeah, I I feel like there's so many times when we're told that something is being done to protect us. And really, what it's being done is to protect the people who make money or in or in some position of power to not Mm -hmm. have to deal with something or to limit access. And it's a, it's hard to feel that distrusting. Like, I mean, it's weird because it feels very accurate. Uh, (laughs) And yet at the same time, there's that feeling of, I also know plenty of really good people. Why, why do I assume that, you know, everybody who is in charge of decisions is not in that, in that group, but there's been enough evidence that I kind of have to start there. And (laughs) like, and I think Mm -hmm. that's a, a politician, actually, or a candidate, I was talking to several years ago, said, uh, "Politicians should be slow to earn your trust and quick to lose it," and mm. and I think that's probably a good way to approach it. And then the other one I would say is that, you know, recognizing what people are good and aren't good at, like maybe somebody's a really good like administrator, and maybe they shouldn't be making those other decisions. And and what are systems we can put in place? That's obviously not necessarily for for what you're up to, but it's something I think about. Um, where do you go for inspiration? You, you do really hard work that uh, <laughs> can be discouraging. Uh, you're working to make a difference. And, and and I know a lot of people get hope from the work that you do. So how do you regenerate or inspire yourself to to keep on?
0: Um, there are times where I get to spend a little time in nature. Uh, yesterday, I was very grateful because we went for a hike in, in um, outside of Boulder. And uh, so just to be able to plug into the trees and the soil and And feel the wind on your face kind of thing um, makes a huge difference. But the majority of my inspiration is it comes from meeting other people. I love to engage with people. I want to hear your story. I want to share, you know, experiences with you. Um, Life is not... um, what, it's not conceptual to me. I can't, I can't experience, it's, it's experiential, it's not conceptual, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I really want to spend that one-on-one looking into someone's eyes, sharing a cup of tea and exchanging stories because it's not, it's, it's so far removed if I'm sitting at home just reading an article or seeing a documentary, um, which I do because I, you know, as much knowledge as you can get is a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, but, you know, I feel like we don't have wars. We don't have so many disagreements when we sit down and we share that moment with each other. I'm a whole lot less likely to do something against someone if I have shared a meal and spoken about our children and our hopes and dreams for their future.
1: Yeah.
0: It's just as simple as that. So the inspiration comes from meeting with other people.
1: Thanks. No, I, I think that that's a really important point. It is harder to dismiss people's humanity, which I I personally feel is a big part of what causes a lot of the real pain that we're dealing with right mm-hmm. now. Is we don't we don't have the instinct to see and treat one another as people more more as objects, and it's much harder to do that if you are taking the time to speak to people, even if if you haven't spoken in person to that being if you've spoken to someone and they have something in common it can help to overcome some of those instinctive reactions that are mm-hmm. you know understandable we're inundated, inundated with prejudices but but not not necessarily helpful
0: uh, yeah. yeah i mean even when i'm if i'm having a disagreement with someone and i'm really not getting them and i feel like they're not getting me i will go to someone else who thinks acts more in alignment with the other person and ask for their counsel so I have a better understanding. I need to have that perspective, you know? We Mm -hmm. still might walk away with, okay, uh, I don't get where you're coming from, or, you know, it's not for me, but it has, it's just, for me, it's a better route to go, you know? Um, Well, it's a different
1: conversation, Yeah, yeah. right? Like if, if you're trying to meet someone and understand them, you may not end up agreeing that that conversation is really different than if you're trying to convince someone of something or win an argument, right? Like even, even in all three cases, you might walk away being like, but the understanding you could achieve that and still not necessarily
0: come to a solution, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I'm talking to somebody, if I go to counsel who's somebody who agrees and thinks just like me, well, I'm not, it's not giving me that other dimension. It's not giving me the other perspective. I can't look at it at at a different angle. Um yeah. yeah, so it makes a difference for me
1: no, no i I find that like I said like I've known you for a long time, and I find that to be very true. You're always looking for how to understand, how to connect, and uh, I think that's beautiful, and I do think that you know if we if we did more of that, and it's hard sometimes, like life gets busy, and I realized you know the growing up, I knew my neighbors. I always feel in modern times I feel very awkward talking to people outside like it it almost feels rude and intrusive in a way that I, when I maybe just because I was a kid and kids don't pay attention to things but I just never felt that way and now I sort of feel this sense of like is it all right to say hello to your neighbor is that you mm. know awkward and weird like I don't it's just like I feel like there's a lot more hesitancy um, and I don't I don't know like some folks I know are really great at it they know their neighbors they say hi they they, they have like some kind of mutual support in their little Mm -hmm. tiny areas. And I'm like, but I don't think that's common. Maybe it is. And it's just, I've lived in weird places, but.
0: I don't know. I mean, I grew up in the projects in New York City. And um, Mm -hmm. so yes, we all knew each other and um, everybody took care, everybody watched over each other. Um, Yeah. You know, uh, in the kids, we all went outside, we played together and it was a mixed bag of uh, backgrounds. Right? People came Mm -hmm. from all over And, um, you know, but the mothers would sit out outside, you know, we're playing on the stoops and the benches and and the courtyards and the mothers were out there full force and they were watching over you. And so everyone knew each other, but over time, it seems, especially in this country, I've noticed there's that separation of, I don't want first, it was, well, I don't want to feel intrusive. And then it's, well, it's none of your business. And so there seems to be that separation. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I usually make sure I say hello to my neighbors and get to know their names when, Mm -hmm. when they come in, um, because you just never know. I mean, you gotta, you gotta take care of each other that Mm -hmm. it's just that simple. You have got to take care of each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's true. And you can't really take care of people if you don't know them. Right. (laughs) You can't can't show up. Um, so what, what would be different in the world if you achieve your vision?
0: Um, Well, we would certainly have a lot more women, particularly BIPOC, Mm -hmm. Indigenous women, BIPOC women, um, who have a sense of, of I can make it on my own, I'm empowered by by what I do, I'm contributing more to my my personal uh, circle, as well as family, as well as community within that. and that is needed in in a huge way. I mean we've been put off to the side where we've been second class citizens for hundreds of years now, if not thousands of years. So um, you know that would that would be a big difference uh, within within the female community. that's mm-hmm. for sure. And then there's the just a reminder in the education on how we are all connected, whether we are in human form, bird, fish, river, tree, it's irrelevant. We are truly all connected. And, um, and so being able to create these environments, you know, it's a little drop in the bucket, but there's a ripple effect to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that's true. Um, I forgot to put the question up so do this time. What's your best advice? Received or given you choose.
0: Uh, (laughs) Best advice. Listen to your gut. Mm -hmm. 99% of the time it's going to be right on target. And I can speak from experience when I've ignored it, put it to the side. I'm like, oh boy, I should have really paid attention. Yeah. Um, Because we I truly believe we all have that innate knowledge, you know, there's that little, little guidance, whether you want to call it spirit, universe, whatever, God, whatever it is, there's that guidance. Um, yeah. And we need to listen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, and uh, what's the best way to get involved with what you're doing?
0: Um, Reach out to us. You can reach us at info at hermanyvoices.org. You can give us a call at 720-404-9037. We're on just about every kind of social media. Feel free to write in. Um, You know, I, I truly believe every one of us is an activist, excuse me, artivist in some way. And, um, and when I talk about that, a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not an artist and I'm not really an activist, so how can I participate? I truly believe we all have some kind of creativity within us, you know? You don't have to be paid for your creativity to be an artist. Mm-hmm. And as far as activism is concerned, you know, it could be uh, something as simple as, well, how do, I, how do I get the coalition in my community to pay attention to recycling? or how do we, um, we garden, or how do we teach our children how to do certain things, whatever it is, that is the activism. You don't mm-hmm. have to be on the big stage, you know, with the bullhorn kind of thing, you know. We get to do these things in big and small ways. Mm-hmm. And we and we should. We each mm-hmm. have a responsibility as citizens to this planet. We each have a responsibility to take care of uh, things, you know, in your backyard. Whether yeah. your backyard is literally your backyard or it's across this other side of the pond, right? Um, right? It's a very intimate planet and we have responsibilities to take care of it.
1: Well, and it's funny, um, I, was, I watched The Inconvenient Truth when Al Gore did that many, many years ago. Uh, yeah. And one of the things that he said that really struck me and that I felt actually that I was somewhat guilty of, was uh, he said that many of us go from denial to despair and we skip the step in the middle where we pause and we say what can i do mm-hmm. and i thought well you know darn it i think it's right mm-hmm. and and i get it right because it like like that is part of the the scenario and and the other thing that i think is also really incredibly important to note is that no one person is going to change the way things are uh, not because we aren't powerful, but because we are up against a systemic, a structural um, investment in preventing a lot of the things that we believe in mm-hmm. because they benefit people, a uh, very small number of people, but they and they're invested in continuing that system. And so shaming people because they aren't getting it or whatever it doesn't know it doesn't feel not that you ever have done that. But like, that's one of the things that I saw happening in the, the move, different movements that I worked in that, you know. People, like you said, they'd feel like, oh, I'm not really an activist. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I really, oh, you really darn because you used recycled plastic, whatever. It's like, right. no, if, if you want to show up and make a difference, let's have you do that. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to help people understand where their lane is. Like, you know, <laughs> like maybe mm-hmm. this isn't your work. And, but that can be done. And, and I find, you know, when people are genuinely trying, they receive that feedback really well. They're like, oh, you know, I didn't mean to offend, whatever. And so I feel like recognizing that. You know, and I, to a certain extent, you know, there's that whole like, like white savior or general savior thing. So people want to be that big personality who's going to fix everything like in an action movie just doesn't work that way. Real change takes consistent effort over time by large numbers of people. Like it's not, it's very rarely going to be like Mm -hmm. one big, oh, it's all fixed, checkbox, move on. Mm -hmm. However, one person can make a difference as you have in the lives of so many people by, going and doing work by listening to communities and connecting communities with resources that they may not even know exist, by inspiring other people to pay attention to the impact of their efforts, or to the places where they can have a voice or make a difference for their neighbor, or, you know, by supporting someone who's out there really doing that work. So I, I appreciate that as advice. And, uh, and um, I hope that people will uh, participate. I know. I didn't know the answer to this question, which is when. what is your next event? So I'm gonna pop this up for you.
0: Okay, so I believe, all right. So you're talking about Earth Day 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on Friday, April 22nd, this is going to be our second annual event. And last year, it was amazing. Pretty much this event was put together by a- AISOLA within a couple of weeks, but we had, 65 presentations from five continents and 11 countries and it's all about the indigenous wisdom for to face these modern challenges and it does not mean that you have to be uh, indigenous to these lands you know you don't have to be a native american person identified as such here in order to participate it's about the wisdom that we've been passed, that has been passed on to us by our ancestors, by our elders. Like I said earlier, I truly believe we are all—we all come from tribal peoples, and within that, there is tremendous wisdom. Mm-hmm. We need to listen. We need to go back. We need to pay that. Take that time to really sit and be still and listen to what nature is telling us, what Mother Earth, what Mother Earth is telling us and um, and bring that forth. So that's what this day is about. Last year, it, it was all virtual, it had to be. This year, it will be predominantly virtual, um, but we will have small pockets of people getting together um, and, and, and being in person for the day. Uh, so please join us if you can. Uh, we had, it was 13 and a half hours straight last year we're, mm-hmm. we're looking at maybe doing 12 hours this year. Um, uh, so since I, I'm in front of the camera all day long and Aisla's behind <laughs> the, the curtain, you know, we, we need to keep in mind that rest is important and, and keeping our, our head kind of clear for that's the fair. process. That's yeah. fair, that's it. <laughs>
1: that's, that's, that's wisdom.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we had a wonderful time last year, but oh, man, you, you know, 13 and a half hours is a very long day for that kind of thing. Um, damn. Well, and
1: I will say also, like when we talked about, you know, the indigenous wisdom part, it's also that, you know, rediscovering the things like hemp that have been lost for, for different mm-hmm. reasons that had a, a traditional place. And maybe we don't know exactly you know, it can't be exactly what it was because we've lost connection to that route, but we can rediscover it and reincorporate it into our understanding and into our landscape, you know, mentally, as well as like literally, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just, you know, recover like that. One of the things that I actually got from COVID um, from watching the, the experiences <laughs> is that during the lockdowns, when, when we were just back in our homes and not driving, the, the clarity of, of the skies that they were showing from the pictures of the earth and the dolphins that were coming right. back into the bays. And the reality is that you know, we, we both have work to do to mitigate the impact of what we've done. And we can see that a concerted effort would really make a difference, a dramatic difference rather quickly. And so just recognizing that, that there, there is hope, it, it requires action, but there is hope. And, and we have that to, to embrace as a possibility.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can learn from every other species on this planet. We are the only one that will destroy ourselves and others um, for uh, you know a personal gain for a handful of people. Right. Yeah. We all do that to some degree. And um, like I said, we're the only species who does that. So we we certainly have to change our behavior, our thoughts, our actions, um, words, simply because that is an energy that carries across and mm-hmm. continues into the ethers, right? Yeah. These are the things that we need to do. And we have to do it now because we are quickly running out of time. Yeah.
1: So. yeah that's do you have any final things you want to share or offer before we close out?
0: You know, I just want to say, I talked a little bit about this a little earlier, but, you know, you don't have to be in the main spotlight in order to make a huge difference in this world. It can be a simple thing like taking the time to look into someone's eyes and ask them how they are and truly sit to listen and have that exchange because you never know that, that those 30, 30 seconds, couple of minutes can make a huge difference in someone's life. And it will certainly make a difference in yours. So don't think, well, who am I? Because you as an individual are quite powerful. You have the ability to make difference, a huge difference in this world to many people um, and starting with yourself. So take take the actions as small or seemingly insignificant as they are. Take those actions, you know, Look at your children. Two-year-olds know better than we adults on how to care for someone else and give someone else a hug and just have that compassion and open heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's
1: really true. Um, and I put uh, Alicia's uh, contact page up there. Uh, also, the Harmony Voices uh, website, I'll pop that up again. Um, and then we're going to do, uh, like I said earlier, we're going to have uh, Maren Krings on here on April 11th to talk about H's for Hemp. And uh, I'm super excited to hear about her adventures because what little I have heard is intriguing.
0: <laughs> Very Yeah, and, and we've had some, I've had the, the fortune of spending time with Mara and, and, and spending time in Amsterdam. And we spoke together at the hemp marijuana, um, let's see, I'm going to mess up the museum's name. Hemp Marijuana... I don't know cannabis museum. I apologize. No, this is the one that's in Amsterdam. Uh, Ben Drunkers is is the owner of this particular museum.
1: We'll get Um, we'll get that in the notes if people want to check it out. Was it recorded or is that uh, some people
0: can see or? Some folks had their cameras out, so I don't know if the whole thing was recorded straight, but certainly snippets of it. Um, And Maren and I actually we get to join each other again in Latvia um, at the end of April. At the Oblisk Farm in Latvia, and that's oh, wow. May first. They've got they've got an event going on, and Hanna Gabriljova is going to be participating as well. Um, it's going to be another international event, um, so I'm excited about that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for um, coming and being on my show. Finally, I like I love working with you, and I always love. It's funny because I've been working with you for years. I didn't know you had equine. Just <laughs> to get you on to show, and I had some more questions.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but, between that, I was a future farmer of America. You know, nice. all of these little tidbits that tidbits mm-hmm. that most people don't know.
1: That's yeah. Great. All right, thank you so much. I'll see everybody in a couple weeks, um, and I look forward to chatting with you all more. Few, and I'll put this up on YouTube so people can see it if they missed our little chat live. So take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, bye,
0: everybody.